Welcome to The Trend, where you'll get an enlightened perspective on trending news and topics with amazing commentary. Hope you guys have been enjoying your day. I am your host, RTL Faith. I do apologize for the late upload. I've been very busy, decently sick for the last few days, so I've been kind of backed up. But with that said, we got an amazing podcast episode, of course, and we're going to be talking about some crazy topics that I'm sure a lot of you will find very interesting. Uh, one thing to note, of course, is make sure you guys check out the website, www.thetrendwithrtlfaith.com, so you may never miss any content in terms of all my social media platforms and rated five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, another plug of another bit of news for you guys that I will be start uploading two times a week starting next week where I'll be uploading the normal episodes every uh, midnight for like Friday or Saturday. I don't know the best way to kind of uh, alliterate that, but we'll also be uploading guest episodes. So be in tune for that. That'll be uploading midnight, uh, midnight Wednesday. So the start of Wednesday, technically, and you can check out those will be one on one interviews questions discussion debates solutions and kindness that is stuff that we'll be preaching all the time every time when it comes to this podcast so be in tune for that first episode is dropping next week for the guest interviews so with that said we are going to be talking about some crazy news starting off we're going to be talking about the uber scandal all the leaked information in regards to uber the corruption in regards to uber and how they were doing shady dealings with billionaires with politicians it's very messy we'll continue with the uh rich people talk and start talking about elon musk and how he plans to back out of the twitter deal and why that is and what twitter really means for the entire social media landscape We'll move forward and talk about all these countries that have been rising up against their governments and what that means for the world as a whole, and then follow up, ending it with Andrew Tate. I'm sure you've heard his name, Andrew Tate and the Red Pill masculine community, what that means for this newer generation, what that means for men, of course. A lot of interesting things, so we're going to dive right into it. As always, we start off with a... Positivity segment. Positivity segment. Uh, I have two bits of news that I'm going to be relaying to you today. First bit of news is that apparently Joe Biden has been working extensively in terms of gas prices. And for 30 days straight, it has been decreasing, which is good news for car drivers out there that uses gas. Um, apparently since the beginning of the month or since the 30 days ago, it has dropped about 44 cents and you know, it's at least a step in the right direction for people out there. So good thing in regards to that, hopefully they keep on working on it and gas prices continue to lower. Another bit of nude for my nerd fans out there, especially the anime enthusiasts, there has been an announcement in regards to Yu Yu Hakusho. It has been announced that it will be getting a live action on Netflix. Now, sure, there are some mixed feelings because of how they treated the Cowboy Bebop and Death Note. But if you're a fan of Yu Yu Hakusho, a classic anime that's really dominated the early 2000s and the 90s, that old style with Yusuke Urameshi with the uh, Dragon Flame originator of Sasuke emo kids and all that good stuff. And then I'm sure you guys will be at least slightly excited 
for this in terms of the live action so hopefully it's pretty good if it is pretty good it's going to be good for us in the anime community of course so two bits of news in terms of the positivity segment hope you guys enjoyed those of course so let's start into the meat and potatoes of this podcast of this more uh dire news a little bit more shady news so First things first is with this Uber stuff. If you guys didn't know, relatively recently, Uber has been exposed um, by a whistleblower with leaked files. About 124,000 Uber documents or documents in regards to Uber's dealings for the last, well, not last five years, but from 2013 to 2017. It talks about all their dealings with a lot of very important people very shady stuff some of the kind of headlines in terms of the things that went on in regards to uber executive or former executive founder travis kalanick and some other individuals is how uber flouted laws and manipulated laws duped police exploited violence against drivers and secretly lobbied governments during its aggressive global expansion it's nuts it is crazy and what is very apparent in a lot of these documents and what they're talking about is that there was no remorse right now there has been some uh indication from the current ceo of uber that they apologize for the former actions of travis kalanick but is that a genuine apology is my question and what other thing that is very notable considering how all the important people that is part of this document considering all the crazy things that uber's founder and uber did at a global scale the fact that this is not more known is very apparent and we know why this is why this is why this podcast exists we know why and that's because the media won't put it out there because the same people that be doing these shady dealings are the same people that put money in the media's pockets. They're not going to report on it. They're not going to talk about it. It's very similar to the uh, shady uh, Epstein Island situation. Nobody's really talking about that. Why? Because the same people that is part of that puts money in the media's pockets. The media reports on news that sells. That's it. That is it. But me... I'm not, I don't have anything to lose, maybe. We'll see. So, apparently, in this situation, with the uh, the person who kind of leaked all these documents was known as Mark McCann. And apparently, he was a uh, very important individual. Uh, he was the former chief lobbyist for Europe, the Middle East, and Africa. And he decided to come forward. He said that it is my duty to speak up and help governments and parliamentary parliamentarians. I probably did not say that correctly. Right some fundamental wrongs. Morally, I had no choice in the matter. Very curious. I don't know if this was more like, oh, one day I felt that I've been, you know, shady. I want to kind of alleviate all my sins. Or is this a situation where there's some type of innate benefit to mark that made him do this in the first place and i really really do not know so 
Kalanick, the person that's going to be the forefront of this entire news story, has done a lot of shady things. We know what Uber is. If you don't know what Uber is, it is uh, the newer the app that kind of started this new wave of people becoming self-taxi drivers, basically. And what it comes down to, these guys would join part of Uber. They would become a driver. They'll be they'll be get part of the app, and they'll be able to drive people around to different destinations. Now Uber expanded somewhat, so it can start delivering food. Now it's more of a it could be a delivery service as well as like a taxi service, and it's really blown up, especially in America. Of course, people can order it from their phone. It's very convenient, very easy. Well, Uber had bigger plans when it comes down to their agenda, when it comes down to how big they really truly wanted to be. And that really came when it started to globally expand all across the world. So one thing that is noteworthy, so I talked about how you know Uber had was benefiting off of the violence. Now, this is one of the things that Kalanick said about the violence against Uber drivers. He said, I think it's worth it. Violence guarantees success. Violence guarantees success. And I've preached this before to people on how media outlets, companies, they benefit extraordinarily off of violence, off of controversy, off of emotion. And people, for some reason, don't recognize this, even though if someone tells you right in their face. And this is not one of the only examples where this is obviously the case. Even with the video I dropped on my YouTube channel, I talked about BlackRock, the secret organization, which is not so secret, but nobody talks about them. They are a trillion dollar trillion. I believe it's a trillion dollar company, and they are so influential, so powerful in terms of America. And one of the things that they love to push is the a lot of the, you know, climate change, uh, LGBTQ woke movements because it sells and makes some money. It's very, very profitable. And people don't recognize this. They think, oh, yeah, you know, this is just a new age. This is the new movement. It's like they are banking off your emotion. They're banking off you not really caring about the innate details about why this is getting pushed in the first place, which is why I had such a big problem with a lot of movements that were spreading violence and negativity, but preaching acceptance and awareness. So, for example, Black Lives Matter. We know that the CEO of Black Lives Matter was innately corrupt, considering she made billions, millions of dollars, and instead of doing the things that she said, she was buying million-dollar mansions instead. It's completely and utterly disgusting. Now, when it comes back to Uber, he goes beyond the violence guarantees success narrative. The Uber... CEO Kalanick, what he would do is he would influence, he would pay off government officials, he would pay off politicians and influence their laws so Uber can properly um, expand their business in different countries, completely weeding out the taxi business completely. Even if what they were doing was against the law, they'll make sure they pay the people who make the laws 
and let them know, yeah, let me do what I gotta do. Don't tell nobody, though. And they were successful. Oh, what was I say? They were successful. They were able to do all these things because of their secret dealings. Matter of fact, there was, a, there was another conversation in regards to Uber and some other individuals. As I said, they are discreetly courting prime ministers, presidents, billionaires, oligarchs, and media barons. This was a leaked message suggests Uber executives were at the same time under no illusions about the company's law-breaking, with one executive joking they had become pirates and another consent and conceding, we're just fucking illegal. They knew exactly what they were doing, paying these people, influencing their laws, weeding out prior businesses unfairly. This was all proven and this was all exposed by Uber. Very corrupt, very shady organization. But my thing to you here is, honestly, are they the only ones? Are they the only ones that does these things? Is it possible that McDonald's, Walmart, all these billion dollar corporations have a certain sense of evilness to make sure their global expansion succeeds? And it is what it is. Now, obviously, a lot of us benefit greatly in terms of convenience based off this capitalistic ideals. There are limitations that I believe socialist values can operate and be offered in terms of how these companies are able to manipulate the government and important people so easily. And I do think there are things to kind of introduce that will um, solve a lot of these innate issues. But my biggest thing is people need to be aware of these issues. They need to be aware of, yes, I have this convenience, but I also need to know that the people in charge are utter and absolute scumbags. That is a huge proponent of why this podcast exists. Even if I'm outed as a scumbag, I want people to know. Because it provides perspective into an individual that the person that uh, giving you this certain level of convenience and certain level of uh, you know luxury is not a good person, and because you have that perspective, you are able to maybe use their products, but realize that a lot of the things they're pushing is not because they care about you but because they're using you. And that's what needs to be noted. To all people who follow movements, and to all people who follow a trend, to all people who listen to the media, and listen to these big corporations passing these innate um, laws that are very convenient, it's not because they care about what you're feeling, it's because they're profiting off of your emotion. That's purely what the case is. And I'm going to reiterate a prior point that I made. 
I'm going to reiterate this point because this needs to be said. Despite all the crazy controversy, and there's so much more information, I just wasn't able to go through it all. Despite everything that Uber did, the shady dealings they did, five years of basic corruption and lobbying and manipulation, despite all that information that is absolutely available to the mass and the public, you don't know a single thing about it. You didn't know a single thing about it. The media is not really talking about it. It's not on the trending tab on social media. Your friends and your family's not talking about it. Why? It's very simple. They don't want you to care. Because the moment you care, the moment you realize this corruption, these evil people, that's when it starts affecting their pockets, and that's when they start getting upset. Like I said, I have an issue with the media, and to an extent, I have an issue with social media. So speaking of social media, why don't we move on to the Elon Musk situation? So, Elon Musk, he's reporting that he's considering backing out of the deal with Twitter. I'm sure some people, a lot of people should know by now, Elon Musk went out of his way to try to obtain Twitter. It really started out talking to people or putting polls up on Twitter, asking if Twitter has free speech, asking if Twitter's a good platform, all this stuff, right? And then he went out of his way to try to obtain Twitter completely. He put out a deal for about like $44 billion or something like that. Had a whole plan of action and what he planned to do for Twitter. We all thought this was going to happen. And then a few months later, Elon Musk wants to back out of the Twitter deal. Now, it's a very weird situation, but I looked into the NA details on why he wanted to do this. Whether or not they're valid is questionable. Whether or not they make sense is up to you to determine. Because regardless of what is said, there are still details that Elon Musk knows and the Twitter board knows that we just won't find out until we do, right? And because Elon Musk plans to back out of Twitter, the Twitter board is kind of pissed. Now, he's backing out of a 40 plus million, billion dollar deal. And at this point, they're so deep in Twitter. The Twitter board is basically like, nah, fam, that ain't it. Now, if he backs out the deal, most likely his buyout would be about a billion dollars, which for Elon Musk is substantial, but like he would be able to live with that. But Twitter's board was like, we're suing you. You're not backing out of this deal. You better buy Twitter right now. So they are suing Elon Musk, or they plan to sue Elon Musk and make sure he buys the corporation for that 40 plus billion dollar deal that he promised earlier. So why does Elon Musk want to back out of this deal? Well, he's talked about it. 
He indicated that Elon Musk said that Twitter and the Twitter board have failed to provide certain information regarding fake accounts and that the company has not continued business in the ordinary course. So he's kind of peeved that they haven't gave him all the information he asked for in regard to these spam and fake accounts. And he's also kind of pissed that uh, Twitter laid off a substantial portion of its talent acquisition team and two high-ranking employees firing them completely. So those two components are something that Elon Musk is very peeved about. And because of this business um, transaction and because of this inappropriate business actions on Twitter's end, Elon Musk deemed it necessary to back out of the deal completely. Now, some analysts have speculated that Musk's reasons for backing out of the deal may be related to the sharp decline in Twitter's share price since the April agreement. So some may argue that the real reason why Elon Musk wants to back out is because he's not making the profit that he thought he would be, and he would be virtually potentially losing money by purchasing uh, Twitter completely, or a large share of Twitter. So there's some uh, counter, there's some mixed messages in terms of what is going on and Elon Musk's reasonings for all of that. Now, there are some more detailed uh, explanations in terms of the last few months. And these are the requests that Elon Musk requested that he wasn't really receiving from the Twitter board. That got him so angry, or potentially angry. I, again, we don't know the truth. The first thing is, is that the information related to Twitter's process for auditing the inclusion of spam and fake accounts in MDAU. Now, honestly, I should have done my due diligence to figure out what the heck does MDAU mean in the first place. But, again, pretty busy, so do apologize for that. So that was the first thing, like the fact that they um their auditing of the spam and fake accounts was not done, or they weren't, Elon Musk wasn't given the information in regards to this. The next one was information related to Twitter's process for identifying and suspending spam and fake accounts. So this is another step, is that they didn't give them the necessary information on how their process even works in terms of dealing with these accounts. He didn't get enough information regarding that. Another thing was the daily measures of MDAU for the past eight quarters. So apparently for the last eight quarters, he didn't get the necessary uh, data analysis and reports in regards to the uh, false and spam accounts as well. Board materials related to Twitter's MDAU calculations. So he didn't get enough information in regards to how they calculate a lot of this stuff. And then materials materials related to Twitter's financial condition. He didn't get enough information in regards to the current financial situation of Twitter right now. Now, because of the last two months and not getting the necessary information from the Twitter board and some of their actions, Elon Musk decided to completely remove himself from the Twitter deal because of their basically unprofessionalism. So it is up to you to determine 
if these are valid reasons now i don't know the innate details in terms of the business acumen of all these necessary components and what they truly mean um be completely honest but one thing i can say is at the end of the day it really borderlines elon musk didn't get enough information and how they acted was not professional in terms of firing important employees without his permission twitter's arguing that hey we did what we had to do and that you just you're just backing out because you're not going to be making the money that you thought you were going to be very interesting situation in regards to twitter and twitter is a very important platform as we know considering it is the social media platform that is where people get all their news it's the social media platform that a lot of people in this newer current generation go to in terms of social interaction now we know YouTube and Twitch and the importance of these two platforms, but YouTube is more of an entertainment platform than a social media interaction one. As same thing with Twitch in terms of a live streaming entertainment platform. Twitter is the go-to area where people go on, see what their friends are saying, see what the current news is, and interact with their buddies and their pals. It is probably the most important social media platform as of today in terms of consistent interaction between social media friends and peers. Now, if you get their personal information, that's another step. But Twitter, what it offers is a means of communication without commitment. And I think that's very important to consider. Because when it comes to friendship and true social connection twitter offers you a way to connect without being interpersonal very unique very very unique so there's a reason why twitter is very valuable to our current generation of people if twitter were to disappear what platform would kind of suffice because, like, Facebook is, like, the older generation. People have moved on from Facebook as of right now. Instagram is more of, like, you like and comment on someone's pictures. It's not really a vague back-and-forth dialogue type of situation. Snapchat is one of the interpersonal social media platforms where you can, can talk to people 1v1 and talk to a friend. That's more of, like, these are my friends and that's why I have Snapchat for them. Or like an interest in terms of like a relationship type situation. Twitter offers something that really none of these social media platforms does. Which makes it so unique and very interesting. The Elon Musk situation with Twitter. I don't know how it will truly impact the platform itself. Because as of right now, the things that Elon Musk wanted to implement is not truly there. For example, that relatively recently, Elon Musk was talking about how free speech should be more of a uh, guarantee for all different sides of the political spectrum. And recently, Jordan Peterson got suspended or banned, I don't remember which which, because he said something about um, an actor's breast and whatnot. Now, you could deem what Jordan Peterson is saying as inappropriate, but it doesn't borderline anything that's innately crazy and derogative. In terms of outright hateful and outright racist, it really doesn't reach that type of level. But he got suspended for it. 
because it's an unpopular opinion. So it's really not adhering to the free speech that Musk indicated. Well, because Elon Musk is not in control. So will Twitter continue its forefront of, you know, spreading more liberal and left-leaning ideals across the platform versus right-leaning and Republican ones? Will it continue that trend? Or will it learn from its past mistakes with Donald Trump and other Republicans and be more of an open platform for everybody's opinion? I truly do not know. Very interested to see what happens regarding that moving forward. So that was the stuff in regards to Elon Musk. Uh, again, it's a very weird situation between Elon Musk and the Twitter board, whose right is up in the air and highly questionable. So regarding another controversial situation, we're going to talk about how these different countries, uh, people have been rising up against their government. Now, there's a lot of very unfortunate things that have happened, and I probably haven't indicated all the stuff that's been going on, but I indicated some of them that is relatively imp not. I mean, they're all important, so to speak, but have been relatively notable. Let's just say that I probably have missed them. So, the last was a few days ago, last week maybe, uh, the former prime minister of Japan was assassinated. Uh, I did learn more information about him. He, like, apparently, he was a decently controversial figure. Um, the person that assassinated him apparently was angry that he aligned with a certain group. Don't know which group, but he aligned with a certain group that the guy hated for the most part. And what made this guy so controversial is initially uh, because of his ancestors. They're very much involved in a lot of the uh, disgusting and criminal activities of World War II. They'll do absolutely abhorrent things to the enemies and to women and to kids. The stuff that they would do in the past in terms of World War II is stuff that I can't even say on my platform, nor do I want to. It's absolutely disgusting. And one of the things that people were very upset about in terms of this prime minister is that they, he was very nationalist, that he was proud of his ancestors, so to speak. Now, there could be an indication of being proud of your country, but not being accepting of the acts themselves. And I can't really speak on whether or not this prime minister thought what they did was negative and evil. I really don't know the innate details. I'm sure the people of Japan know better than I. So with that said, that people were very upset with that, considering how evil his ancestors were. Now, another thing that people kind of point out in terms of the Japanese prime minister is that he uh, was kind of full of fluff, which a lot of politicians are. He said that he was basically going to fix the Japanese economy. He was going to do a lot of things that, that would help the citizens of Japan. Now, ultimately, he did none of them, didn't really help in the long run, and pulled all his uh, you know mistakes and whatnot, all his baggage on the current Prime Minister of Japan. Now the question is whether any of those controversies kind of play into his assassination is up to you to decide. One thing we do know is people weren't happy and they committed a crime in Japan that hasn't happened in years in terms of a gun violence and a political gun assassination. It's crazy. Another situation is in Sri Lanka 
the president of Sri Lanka fled the country and completely abandoned the people in the country. And the reason why that is is because the people were rising against this president. They wanted him out. They invaded his home. He was kicked out, basically, from the people. So this was another situation where, you know, the people of Sri Lanka were so fed up that they kicked their president out. What their government will do moving forward is up to you to decide, but it's kind of insane. And even the uh, country of the UK, England, the prime minister, was it Boris Johnson? He stepped down as prime minister. So these three examples of like notable political figures are kind of being ousted by the people. Even in the American government, people are talking about how they want to rise up against the current political figures. How people are trying to protest the current Supreme Court justices. How people want to attack their homes. It's reaching a state that you may argue is good in terms of the people realizing the corruption of the government. But then you can argue that it's reaching a state of anarchy. And a state of anarchy only leads to negativity, only leads to our downfall. Now, is there corruption in government? Of course there is. We do obviously recognize this to be the case. But let's say we tear down our government and we get rid of the people we don't like. Where does it end? If we tear apart our current government, will we suffice as a nation? Or will it turn into anarchy? Will it turn into a self-sufficient state government only rant, a rand system? And will people truly be protected and cared for? Now, people may argue that our current state of affairs, people are not protected anyway. With the mass shootings, with the police violence, with the gun violence. They're not cared for. But I would argue that there's a level of convenience, of luxury, of not non-risk of surviving day-to-day that people of America have that other countries don't. So the question is, is how far should we go? I'm not sure. Despite all this, Russia and Ukraine are still fighting. I've talked about this before, of how Russia still plans to, uh, Russia plans to completely take over Ukraine, and how that's a bad idea for the world as a whole. And I stick by that sentiment for a reason. Because if Russia commits to what they're doing, it's going to set a bad precedent of countries trying to take over other smaller countries for influence, for power, and whatever. Because China's also thinking of taking over Taiwan. China's also thinking of having uh, them, their currency being uh, the number one currency in the world. So they basically want to replace the United States of America being the number one country. The financial system, everything kind of being deviated back to the dollar. It seems like we're in a shifting in our current society. The question is, is how far will it go? 
And is it truly a good or bad thing? I'm not really sure. And that's probably the issue. That is probably the issue. Oh, man. Very, very weird times we are in our current state of affairs. We're in a recession. Inflation's going up. We have countries trying to take over the countries. We have a pandemic. We have corruption. We have new movements not backed on a, um, being perpetuated based on emotion more than science. We have more and more hate, more and more violence, more gun violence. It's, it's a very, very weird situation. So we're going to wrap it up talking about Andrew Tate and the Red Pill community. So if you don't know who Andrew Tate is, Andrew Tate is a prominent figure that has been entering the space of social media. And he is a very unique individual in that he didn't grow his presence being like starting on YouTube or Twitch or whatever. He was already established individual and because of his takes and the way he kind of represents himself has made waves all across the internet. Inspired some others hate him. Now, there are some things that I do disagree with when it comes to Andrew Tate. And a few things that I do know of is that he's a former kickboxing world champion. He started in a uh, million-dollar corporation surrounded by live cam live webcam and women. Uh, he, I mean, now he's like in the social media space, and he teaches a course on how people can be hustlers and make money. He's a very, very successful individual, and his takes and his understanding of the world is very different, and his approach to the world is very different from many people, many different people including my own. Now, one of the more interesting situations of Andrew Tate is when he went on a live stream with Aiden Ross and a couple other uh, notable content creators, such as XQC being like the number one guy on Twitch, uh, Los Polos, Your Rage, uh, Silky, uh, Trainwreck, a lot of very notable individuals, a lot of people that is very intertwined with the current social media landscape. And Andrew Tate was brought on by Andrew, um, Aiden Ross to have a conversation with XQC because he disagreed with a lot of his takes. Now, there are a few things in there that I do agree with and disagree with. And a few things that I, um, gonna point, that I want to point out that XQC did incredibly terrible. Very poor. One thing that I do respect when it comes to Andrew Tate is when he arrived on this platform, he arrived with respect. Although he has his views and his, um, you know, opinions, it always seemed like he respected the individual, was calm, was rational, even though they disagreed. Which is something that I try to preach constantly on my podcast, that even if you disagree with another individual, you can still respect him. You can still show him kindness. My problem with XQC is that everything he said and preached, he thought he was the morally just and perfect individual. And that is absolute bullshit. Because at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, as I've said prior, morals are not black and white. And this is something Andrew Tate touched upon. 
morality is de de derived innately and people nowadays attribute it to something that was established due to religion and that's fine there are very few things that is perfectly good and perfectly evil i've said this multiple times love for your family is perfectly good it is good rape and pedophilia it is evil but most things most things that exist out there in the world falls within the gray area the moral ambiguous one now it can be more evil or more good but that is purely and utterly based on perspective and that is my problem with SQC because he thought that everything he was saying was morally good because he's part of the justice warriors. Even though he has no true essence to say this, because most of the things that he was saying was absolutely subjective and opinionated. Now, if someone says something that is utterly evil and utterly hateful and utterly bad, I will recognize that. And there is hypocrisy that does come out of Andrew Tate's mouth. For example, when he says that uh, when it comes down to women, they can't go clubbing. And when he, when he says that women can't have OnlyFans, women can't sleep around, but he can. He can have multiple girlfriends. He can go to club whenever you want because he's Big G. He's Tom Dog. Oh, I do understand when it comes to if there's a hierarchy established, a hierarchy will always have the person above being able to do certain privileges that other people can't do. For example, if you're in the NBA, if you're a superstar, there's certain things you can do that other people can't. That is a recognizable thing, but, but it's still a double standard at the end of the day. Because you automatically establish yourself as top in your hierarchy. What I do believe is I don't think Andrew Tate would ever get in a relationship with someone that's equal or above him. I don't think he will ever do that. And that's fine, because in terms of traditional relationships, there's always going to be someone that take that kind of in control and someone that's kind of like listens. Now, the percentage of how that works depends on relationship to relationship. Andrew Tate seems like it's more of like he's 100% in control and the woman is 0% in the control. But it's not like she doesn't offer anything, though. She still offers other things. But in terms of control the relationship, he has all of it. Other relationships can be more 80, 20, 70, 30, 60, 40. I have a friend, and him and his wife's relationship is very close. I would argue it's like 60, 40. And it could deviate based on the circumstance. It could be the woman in charge and it could be the men in charge. And then Andrew Tate elicited that that is a possibility. That the woman could be in charge of the relationship. So I will admit that Andrew Tate does have a double standard. But that is his choice and his lifestyle. As long as he's not being negative. Because he indicated also that he would never want his woman to be in an OnlyFans. He would never prostitute his woman. And he would never do anything bad. He would always protect her, feed her care for her so he is in the outright standing of a traditional male relationship where the man is in charge and the woman is the carer that's fine it's just a one another way of living your life problem with xcc is he thought everything andrew tate was saying is completely negative false and should not be how it is but xcc has no right to say that because he lives his way 
life are completely different. And the absolute unawareness of how you guys live life completely different. XQC grew up on the internet. Even surround and the internet surrounded by mostly left-leaning woke warriors. It is what it is. Who's fed based on like social media trends and media information? Fine. It's a new trend in terms of the modern Western culture. We're kind of de- we're kind of deriving more into that 50-50 everyone can have their any own identity type of situation. That's fine. Tate didn't grow up the same way you did. He didn't grow up on the internet. He grew up being a kickboxer. He grew up with around dangerous people and dangerous individuals. He grew up with a more traditional lifestyle. So that is my problem with people like XUC. They'll preach everything they say is correct, but never recognize that it's all opinion to a certain extent of how you want to live your life, as long as you're not being a terrible person. I don't think Andrew Tate is a terrible person. Based on the interviews that I've said and his takes, although I disagree with him, I don't think he's a terrible person. I don't think he's an evil person. It's not like, I don't think, I mean, unless he says it, I don't think he'll like hit his woman. I don't think he'll do any of that crazy stuff. But why is Andrew Tate potentially valuable in terms of the social media landscape is the next question. And I think that really derives from a certain need for male empowerment. We've done a lot of female empowerment, which is a good thing. Females should be empowered. We've done a lot of uh, empowerment in terms of like the Me Too movement. We've done a lot of things for females to feel that they can be as good, if not better than men. They can have the same jobs as men. They can do a lot of these things. That's good. It's good to have that space. My thing is, in terms of male empowerment, in terms of uh, people trying to empower men and grow as a man, for some reason, people don't want that to exist. It's kind of weird. A lot of things Andrew Tate is preaching is preaching the idea of your male responsibility to preach the ideal of being strong, being confident, being a go-getter, continuously pursuing what needs to be pursued. Regardless of what you say, there are traits about a man that you could argue should be innate. Now, for me personally, if someone were to walk up onto me and my girl, I'm the one fighting. She ain't the one fighting. Another example they brought up about how, like, if there's a burglar in the house, XQC was like, um, I, I, I don't mind sending my girl down there. Tate was like, I would never do that. And for me personally, I would be the one acting. Again, I'm responsible. I'm not as traditional as a lot of men, but I realize that for the most part, chances are I'll be stronger. I'll be better in the certain circumstances. And it is what it is. And my girl will be feel safe around me, recognizing that I'll be there to protect her if needs be. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Not at all. So I think having a space in terms of male empowerment is good for a lot of men. Especially men who don't really know who they are. They don't even really know what it means to be a man. They don't even really know what it means to be a husband, a father. I think it's greatly missing in our current society. 
especially with, with so many fathers being outside of their child's lives. We've seen the statistics, ladies and gentlemen. We've seen the constant trends that one of, some of the worst things that happen in the world. Mass shootings, violence, rape. A lot of the worst things, one of the, one of, a big common denominator on a lot of these individuals is they have no father in the home. They had no guidance. They were confused and they were let loose and they were told they were not enough. So I think having someone to motivate, to kind of having someone that will be the person that you can look up to, so to speak, will be valuable for a lot of men. And not all men. And I don't think all men need someone like Andrew Tate, but I do think some men do. Just like some women need female empowerment. Some men need male empowerment. Because not everybody has two parents in the home. Not everyone has a role model. Not everyone is born an alpha. Not everyone's born athletically gifted or very intelligent or has utmost confidence. And that's just, it is what it is. Not everybody has the drive and motivation. Sometimes they need a push. Sometimes they need a man to yell in their face and say, yo, get this done now. Again, I don't agree with all the things that Andrew Tate says. But to say that his his space does not uh, deserve to be here, that doesn't belong in our current society, is absolutely ridiculous. Everyone deserves the right to grow and empower themselves. Sure, you will have the vocal minority that will be ruining it for everyone else, but that exists everywhere. You can't stop doing something due to an exception, due to a minority. You just can't, especially a small, small minority. So the red pill community, Andrew Tate, uh, well, I didn't even really talk about the red pill community. Well, they fall in the same line where there's individuals that's perpetuating the idea of male empowerment, perpetuating the idea of men can be more. They don't need these, uh, these women that hate men. They don't need these women who kind of despise men. I've, eventually, I'll have an episode kind of dedicated to talking about those certain opinions about like how most women only get with 10% of men on how women have double standards. They don't want a fat man, but women who are fat are deemed beautiful and perfect. How they all think they're tens, but men are all ugly. Like the double standards is crazy. And that's why this red pill community, that's why Andrew Tate exists. So people can feel, so men can feel empowered. And so some females understand a different perspective. Just like how a lot of men understand a different perspective when they learn more about feminism and female empowerment. It just brings a lot of balance to our society that is always necessary. One of the biggest and best things that you can have is a checks and balance to even things out. So let me know what you guys think about uh, Andrew Tate, of course, and all that good stuff. If you guys leave in the comments, uh, you can leave a comment on my website, www.thetrendwithrtlfaith.com. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. Again, purely audio. Uh, do apologize. We're gonna, again, we're coming up with the new episodes that is going to be twice a week. A lot is going on. Very busy, but I had to make sure to talk about the necessary topics for today. So y'all have a good one, of course. Take care and peace.